Chapter One of Part One of the Lives of the Three Mrs. Judsons by Arabella M. Wilson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter One: Mrs. Judson's Birth, Education, and Conversion. When an individual attains a position of eminence which commands the admiration of the world, we naturally seek to learn this early history to ascertain what indications were given in childhood of qualities destined to shine with such resplendent lustre and to discover the kind of discipline which has developed powers so extraordinary but in no researches are we more apt to be baffled than in these few children are so remarkable as to make it worth while even to a parent to chronicle their little sayings and doings and of infant prodigies though there is a superstitious belief that most of them die early which is expressed in the adage whom the gods love die young those that live commonly disappoint the hopes of partial friends who watch their infancy with their certain qualities however which we shall rarely miss even in the childhood of those who attain eminence by a wise employment of their talents and acquirements these are firmness of purpose industry and application and an ardent and sometimes enthusiastic temperament these qualities were possessed in no common degree by anne hasseltine the subject of this memoir she was born in bradford massachusetts on the twenty second of december seventeen eighty nine in a sketch which she has given of her life between twelve and seventeen years of age we find evidence of an active ardent and social disposition gay and buoyant spirits persevering industry and great decision of character whatever engaged her attention whether study or amusement was pursued with an ardour that excited the sympathy and love both of her teachers and schoolfellows though little of her writing at this period is preserved and the generation that knew her personally is mostly passed away yet her whole subsequent career gives evidence of an intellect of a very high order carefully cultivated by study and reflection she seems scarcely to have been the subject of serious impressions before her seventeenth year until that time she enjoyed the pleasures of the world with few misgivings and with a keenness of relish which led her to think herself as she says the happiest creature on earth she adds i so far surpassed my friends in gaiety and mirth that some of them were apprehensive i had but a short time to continue in my career of folly and should be suddenly cut off thus passed the last winter of my gay life during the spring of eighteen o six she began regularly to attend a series of conference meetings in bradford her native town she soon felt that the spirit of god was operating on her mind amusements lost their relish she felt that she must have a new heart or perish forever and she often sought solitude that she might unseen by others weep over her deplorable state soon however her fears that her distress might be noticed by her companions were merged in her greater terrors of conscience and she was willing the whole universe should know that she felt herself to be a lost and perishing sinner her distress increased as she became more and more sensible of the depravity of her heart and the holiness and sovereignty of god her mind rose in rebellion against a being who after all her prayers and tears and self-denial still withheld from her the blessing of pardon and peace she says in this state i longed for annihilation and if i could have destroyed the existence of my soul with as much ease as that of my body i should quickly have done it but the glorious being who is kinder to his creatures than any are to themselves did not leave me to remain in this distressing state 
the plan of salvation through a crucified redeemer gradually unfolded itself before her she began to take delight in those attributes of god which before had filled her with abhorrence and although she did not at first imagine that this was the new heart for which she had sought so earnestly yet she was constrained to commit all her interests for a time and eternity unreservedly to that saviour who now seemed infinitely worthy of the service of her whole existence the change in her from extreme worldliness to a life of piety and prayer was deep and permanent hers was no half-way character while she was of the world she pursued its follies with entire devotion of heart and when she once renounced it as unsatisfying and unworthy of her immortal aspirations she renounced it solemnly and finally her ardour for learning did not abate but instead of being inspired as formerly by a thirst for human applause and distinction it was now prompted by her sense of responsibility to god for the cultivation of the talents he had given her and her desire to make herself increasingly useful in the sketch referred to she remarks i attend my studies in school with far different feelings and different motives from what i had ever done before i felt my obligation to improve all i had to the glory of god and since he in his providence had favoured me with advantages for improving my mind i felt that i should be like the slothful servant if i neglected them i therefore diligently employed all my hours in school in acquiring useful knowledge and spent my evenings and part of the night in spiritual enjoyments such was my thirst for religious knowledge that i frequently spent a great part of the night in reading religious books a friend says of her she thirsted for the knowledge of gospel truth in all its relations and dependencies besides the daily study of the scripture with guise orton and scott before her she pursued with deep interest the workings of edwards hopkins bellamy doddridge etc with edwards on redemption she was instructed quickened strengthened well do i remember the elevated smile that beamed on her countenance when she first spoke to me of its precious contents when reading scripture sermons or other works if she met with anything dark or intricate she would mark the passage and beg the first clergyman who called at her father's to elucidate and explain it how evidently to us though unconsciously to herself was her heavenly father thus fitting her for the work he was preparing for her had she known that she was to spend her days in instructing bigoted and capacious idolaters in religious knowledge she could not have trained herself for the task more wisely than she was thus led to do while under the guidance of the spirit of truth she was thus cultivating her intellect the same spirit was also sanctifying and purifying her heart she loathed sin both for herself and others and strove to avoid it not from the fear of hell but from fear of displeasing her father in heaven in one place she writes were it left to myself whether to follow the vanities of the world and go to heaven at last or to live a religious life have trials with sin and temptation and sometimes enjoy the light of god's reconciled countenance i should not hesitate a moment in choosing the latter for there is no real satisfaction in the enjoyments of time and sense on the fourteenth of august eighteen o six she made a public profession of religion and united with the congregational church at bradford being in her seventeenth year very early in her religious life she became sensible that if unusual advantages for acquiring knowledge had fallen to her lot she was the more bound to use her talents and acquirements for the benefit of others less favoured than herself 
actuated by such motives she opened a small school in her native place and subsequently taught in several neighboring villages her example in this respect is surely worthy of imitation perhaps no person is more admirable than a young lady fitted like miss hasseltine by a cultivated mind and engaging manners to shine in society who having the choice between a life of ease and one of personal exertion chooses voluntarily or only in obedience to the dictates of conscience the weary and self-denying path of the teacher and probably such a course would oftener be chosen were young parsons aware of the unquestionable fact that the school in which we make the most solid and rapid improvement is that in which we teach others an extract from her journal will sustain what we have said of her conscientiousness and purity of motive in endeavouring to instruct the young may twelfth eighteen o nine have taken charge of a few scholars ever since i have had a comfortable hope in christ i have desired to devote myself to him in such a way as to be useful to my fellow-creatures as providence has placed me in a situation in life where i have an opportunity of getting as good an education as i desire i feel it would be highly criminal in me not to improve it i feel also that it would be equally criminal to desire to be well educated and accomplished from selfish motives with a view merely to gratify my taste and relish for improvement or my pride in being qualified to shine i therefore resolved last winter to attend the academy from no other motive than to improve the talents bestowed by god so as to be more extensively devoted to his glory and the benefit of my fellow-creatures on being lately requested to take a small school for a few months i felt very unqualified to have the charge of little immortals but the hope of doing them good by endeavouring to impress their young and tender minds with divine truth and the obligation i feel to try to be useful have induced me to comply i was enabled to open the school with prayer though the cross was very great i felt constrained by a sense of duty to take it up oh may i have grace to be faithful in instructing these children in such a way as shall be pleasing to my heavenly father such being the principles by which she actuated in commencing the work of instruction we cannot doubt that her efforts to be useful were blessed not only by the temporal but the spiritual advancement of her pupils some of whom may appear with children from distant burma as crowns of her rejoicing in the last great day End of chapter one